1: Hey, what's up, guys? It's your boys John Lee and Jack Coglin, and welcome to another special edition of Courtside Eclipse Nation podcast. Today, we are joined by another special guest. He is a credentialed writer for SI covering the Clippers, and also does video breakdowns as Clips
0: convos on YouTube. Joey, welcome to the pod. I appreciate you having me on, you guys. And yes, John and I did go to high school together, so we knew each other before uh, the Clippers stuff. But we didn't really know each other like that until we reconnected afterwards. And then I saw this dude pop up in the media room. I was like, "Who let him in?" But uh, now that you know you're doing big things like this, I had to become a part of it. So I appreciate you guys having me on. You asshole! They did let me in anyway.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, no, thank you for ha- thank you for coming on, man. We've had like an insane run of guests lately, so we just wanted to continue it. Uh, keep that off season rhythm going because off season's pretty dead. Oh, what can we say? But. Uh, it's cool to have all these special guests, so thank you for coming
2: on. Joey, the man, the myth, the legend. Wow, what a journey throughout Clippers Twitter, throughout the years, and your come up. Take us through the journey, man, the, how you got started and where you are now, what what went down, everything.
0: You know, I actually love when people ask me this question because uh, it gives me an opportunity. Most of the time when people ask me this question, uh, it's kids who are getting into sports media in college or something like that um and are, are trying to figure out how I got to where I got and what I always tell them is like even where I'm at now like I'm so thankful for all the opportunities that I've gotten but even then like I'm still not where I want to be like I think that's the great thing about sports media is that there's always different endeavors that you can pursue and different ways to work on your craft and become better um but to answer your question I knew I wanted to start getting into sports media once I stopped playing sports like I was a baseball player. Um, As you guys know, in high school and uh, a little bit in junior college. So once I stopped playing baseball, injuries kind of cut that dream short. Uh, I knew I wanted to stay around sports and a way to do that was sports media. At the time, I thought it was going to be sports broadcasting. I had a passion for that. Uh, So the first internship doing sports media stuff that I ever got was uh, covering a summer baseball team as their play-by-play guy. So I did play-by-play commentary uh, for an entire summer that actually coincidentally was hosted at Biola University, where I ended up attending after junior college. Uh, But I met a guy there who was also an intern, and he had started a sports blog. And he asked me, he's like, hey, this is unpaid. It's brand new but uh, I need writers for this sports blog. Do you have any interest in writing? Like I know you do commentary, but how do you feel about written analysis? And I said, you know what? It's always something that I've kind of enjoyed. I was always way better at writing in school than I was at math and science. So I figured, you know what? Like, Let's see what we have here. So I wrote several articles for him, uh, completely unpaid, just did it for fun, built up his site a little bit, and then As I kind of started to enjoy this a little bit, I had my Clips Combos Instagram page. And for people who don't know the origin story, uh, I grew up a Clippers fan. I had watched every single game since uh, I was a young kid. And eventually, around 2018, post-Lob City... We have uh, an exciting team with Lou, Trez, Pat Bev, and a rookie Shea Gildas-Alexander, but Doc was continuing to start Avery Bradley over Shea, and uh, I I couldn't just complain from the couch anymore, so I had to create an Instagram account to talk about it. So I had that account. I was doing my my long breakdowns on there. If you've been a follower of that account uh, for a long time, you know how I used to get down on there. And then uh, I eventually started doing similar stuff for this one guy, and then that just kind of developed different little smaller blogs, uh would have openings and i would take them and i would put out as much content as i could for those smaller blogs for about three to four years i wrote for as many small blogs as i could anybody who would let me write for them uh I, I wrote for them and i put out as much clippers related content as i could and as that continued to develop uh i met people and people saw my work and i was blessed with an opportunity from Farbod to join him over at si and uh, it's been a great partnership I, I, i'm really thankful. Um, for the leadership and the guidance that, that he's shown me since I've been over there and the opportunities that he's given me. Um, and we, we've got a good thing going over there. So that's that's kind of the path that I took from a, a guy with an Instagram page to now somebody uh, who, they, who they let in um, you know, with a media credential to cover games. So that's kind of how I got to that place. And like I said, I'm still working on a few more things that I'm sure we'll get into here at the end of the podcast. But uh, that's my journey, and I'm excited to see how, how it kind of plays into this season.
2: Love it, man. The come up is crazy and you're still going, still going. It's great.
1: You basically first got started on Instagram. I, I don't know why, to me, it feels like that's harder um, to get more a presence amongst a fan base. How would how did you grow your account to become like um, one of the more prominent Clipper accounts on there?
0: I think it is a little bit more difficult just because I think maybe now it might not be as bad because honestly, the algorithm, like I see so many, like reels and things like that yeah. of people with smaller accounts kind of coming up but like when I first started around like the end of 2018 I think it was they didn't really have much of that so you kind of just had to start from the bottom and I'll be completely honest what I did was I would go to the comment section and I can't lie and say I didn't do this like people saw me do this so I gotta be honest and say this is what I was doing I would go to the comment section of the Clippers account and say hey I'm a newer Clippers page, uh, you know, been a Clippers fan, whatever my message was, like, check out my stuff. I would go to some of the other bigger accounts, our guy Anthony, LAC underscore IG. I would do that stuff with him. Um, And, you know, the Clippers community was so dope that, you know, people would actually go check out my stuff. So a lot of, dude, I'm not even lying, a lot of self-promo is kind of how I got the ball rolling on that. But also, too, I think what I got to throw in there is that I did something to make myself unique at that time to make myself stand out to where when people did go to my page, it wasn't just posting the final score. It wasn't just, you know, doing things that everyone else was doing while it may not have been everyone's style. What I did was literally max out the caption limit on Instagram with a post game breakdown because nobody was letting me at that time, you know, write Clippers coverage for them. I had to do it on my own. So, and it, over time, more and more people started tuning in for those types of, uh, breakdowns. And then I would go on IG live and maybe say some things that would get myself in trouble. But you know, I would do different things that people enjoyed and and had fun with. So that's what I tell kids that ask me, how do I get myself established in this space? I say, start somewhere. I say, start literally anywhere, because that way, when an opportunity does pop up, you have a body of work where you can say, Hey, here's what I can do. Here's what I've already done. And here's maybe some of the the people that I've interacted with that have enjoyed that work. So that's what I was able to do. And and little by little, you know, I think some people may look at me and they, and they, they may say that, uh, you know, I got lucky or, or whatever else to, to, to get the opportunities that I've gotten. And to an extent, yes, but I also did put myself in a position, uh, I believe to get lucky to where opportunities popped up. I had a solid body of work. Like I think a lot of the stuff that I did over the last three, four years, uh, not a lot of people saw just because it was kind of underground stuff that, you know, it wasn't really very publicized but when i shared that with a publication that had an opportunity they liked it and, and it gave me an opportunity so um that's that's my advice to every every kid that asked me hey i'm trying to get into sports media what do i do i say start somewhere and if you can try trying to find a way to make yourself stand out yeah what well, one thing um i literally thought that was a great answer i thought you were gonna say i just like spam my caption with hashtags because that's what a lot of me. No, do, right? I actually have never done that. I still, to this day, I don't. And you know what's funny? I've tried it a little bit. Like I, I at the time I DM'd other accounts. I was like, hey, can you like send me the hashtags that you use? Like, I want to try this out. I never noticed like a, a substantial difference yeah. when I did that versus when I didn't do it. I think there is a place for it. I personally haven't figured it out. Um. So yeah, I, I never really went that route. Yeah. Maybe, maybe for like the sports world, like the
1: hashtags don't mean, I know like like cooking Twitter, like sneaker car Twitter or Instagrams like that as well. Um, And also another thing that I like that you said, is like, oh yeah, I kind of like put myself in a position. A lot of people say you have to create your own luck and you mm. don't get those opportunities without putting yourself there. So you go from Instagram, uh, you kind of, it kind of sets the foundation of your analysis um, and all that. So how did that end up to going to Eclipse convos on YouTube?
0: Yeah, so that was actually just followers telling me, hey, what about YouTube? And honestly, pretty much everything that I ended up doing was because I had people encouraging me to do it. Like I was kind of scared to do that because, and for good reason, I mean, you know, sometimes you you have dumb takes. <laughs> we all know I've had dumb takes. We all and, do. And when they go viral, dude, it sucks. But honestly, like when I first kind of started in this, I was like 18, 19 years old. And I was doing like some of this hot take analysis or whatever, you know, I don't think I was really prepared for the backlash, but honestly, you just got to go through it. Like that's one of the things I'll, I'll get back to, to answer your question. I kind of went on a little bit of a tangent, but uh, at the time I was kind of scared out people encouraging me. They're like, Hey, like go do this. I'm like, eh, what if I get flamed? And of course, time and time again, like, of course I've gotten flamed. Like everybody has in this space. Um, but you learn to just not care. You learn to just stand on your truth. And you know, if it ends up, come back and, and you're kind of blown up in your face, then it happens, but you move on and and you go get the next one. Um, but to answer your question, yeah, it was just people who encouraged me like, hey, like maybe turn this stuff into videos, turn this stuff into, into some more content. Um, and we'll probably get into this throughout the course of the pod. But uh, I, I wish that I, I maybe leaned into that a little bit harder up front because I do think that I have so many creative ideas and how to turn those into videos. Um, but at the time I was still a full-time college student I was still working uh, a full-time job well, multiple jobs that kind of amounted to full-time hours. Um, and basically the content that I was creating was just the extra time that I had. Well, at the time that was like midnight after I finished all my homework and now I'm staying up till like 3am, but I got class the next morning. So I never really established myself in the YouTube game, but uh, now with, with me getting some different opportunities in sports, being able to cut back at some of those other jobs and, and leave some of them entirely, I will have additional time this season. Uh, maybe even starting towards the end of the summer before the season starts to really start diving into that stuff and, and going hard with it because um, I want to be the guy who has something for everybody like if you want to read my stuff like I want to have it for you if you uh, like watching videos I want to have it for you you know if you like podcast stuff like I want to have one of everything for somebody, um, you know, something that everybody can enjoy so that that's kind of a plan for me. Um, but again, I've said it already to answer your question. It's just been people encouraging me and saying, Hey, you're, you're kind of good at this. You know, what if you, what if you did it this way? Um, and I'm always open to, to that, to that level of, uh, you know, constructive criticism and suggestions and things and things of that nature. Yeah. You you're, you're kind of like setting up, now. Like you may not notice it now you're setting
1: up your own, like little media empire, like having all your different things. You have your Instagram, your Twitter, um, and your analysis, your YouTube. I feel like you like the, the YouTube stuff. Well, I don't know if you do or not, but I feel like you like the analysis part of YouTube the most. Is that true? Would you say that's true?
0: That's that's what I have a passion for because, like I said, if you follow me for a long time, uh, you know that I'm I'm the breakdown guy, like I'm I'm the deep dive guy. I, I love that type of stuff. Um, and while there isn't always a space for that, um, it, when you're trying to establish yourself in in the media realm, like sometimes you got to get those quick hitters out, and you got to do different things, and you you got to get quotes and things of that nature. Um, but once you do establish yourself, and and like I'm trying to do, I do think that's kind of the direction I like to go. I like to do the deep dive analysis. Like I have a play by play background, as I already said. Um, while I was at Biola, I did their play by play commentary for their baseball, basketball, softball, and soccer teams. Um, so I love breaking the game down with my voice. So like that's probably what I love the most. Um, so that's why I'm not giving up on YouTube. Like I haven't posted in a month, but I promise I'm coming back, uh, and and I have some great ideas for for content this year and, and how I can integrate it on a more uh consistent consistent basis because yeah i mean to your point it, it is probably what i have a, the biggest passion for so is i got to ask is the play by play dream dead oh i wouldn't say it's dead but for now it's on the back burner for sure um you know i've had some great conversations with both noah and brian both of them have been great uh great mentors to me guys that have have kind of opened themselves up to me and allowed me to to just pick their brain and I've shared film with both of them and they've given me thoughts and things of that nature. So like, I know if that is the direction I want to ended up, want to end up going. Um, I have the background and I also have some great people uh, supporting me in that way. Um, Cause I've learned some great things from those two guys. So I don't want to give up on that dream. Cause I do have a passion for it. Uh, but at the same time, I think my passion for the, the uh, written analysis and things of that nature um, it, it's right up there, man. It really is. Like I love, just sitting down with a piece, and when you finally finish it, you're like, man, this is awesome. Like, this is good work. Um, something that I could be proud sharing. So um, there's just not really any opportunity. You know, no NBA team is calling me and saying, Hey, you want to come be our play-by-play guy? Uh, but if, if something like that were to happen, um, or or something similar, then I'd absolutely consider that.
1: Yeah. I, I think I remember um I'm not sure if it was the day Ralph retired. I know it was the season Ralph retired, but I know because you were doing I think it was biola someone hit a three and you said bingo you're like i had to get it out
2: there for like classic
0: clip yeah didn't ralph uh, quote
2: tweet it too he did you know what's
0: funny ralph's funny man i think he quote tweeted it twice like he quote tweeted it once (laughs) when it happened and then like a couple months later i think like somebody may have liked it or retweeted it or something so it kind of like re-popped up on his feed he ended up quote tweeting it again he was like this is so cool so yeah he ended up seeing it twice which was cool and uh, for people who don't know like obviously i'm a blake guy that's why i became a fan of the clippers but I mean, as as big of a fan as I was of Blake, like I was a Ralph fan because, you know, he was the voice of the Clippers. Um, you know, people talk about the greatest Clippers of all time. Like you got to throw Ralph in that conversation. I mean, he was there through it all. So um, I grew up on him and, you know, for for him to uh, acknowledge me a couple of times when my play by play, was definitely one of the cooler experiences for me.
1: Yeah. They talk they talk about like who should get their statue built. I remember Jeff Van Gundy said on a broadcast, he said Ralph Lauren should get his built first. I agree. Like that. That's That'd like not fire. even, a, that's not even a horrendous take. Like, I feel like it's a very logical take to have, too.
0: I agree. And you know, some people get on Ralph and they they say that he's like like super cynical these days. And I kind of get that. Like he may not be the most like happy go lucky fan, like super optimistic all the time. But I think you also gotta factor in like he has literally seen every more clippers' games than anybody yeah. that has has ever seen. So I think you got to kind of consider that. So um, I think he just is brutally honest. That's just how I feel about it, and it may not always come across the best way. But I mean, I always got love for Ralph. I'm never turning on Ralph no matter what. So, yeah i I'd rather hear the truth, to be honest. But um,
1: speaking of like not turning on someone, yeah. Re- recently, <laughs> great transition. Great what, transition. Uh, our own. What are your favorite? I know you love him, Pat Bev. Got traded to the Lakers from Utah. I got
0: asked, "What what went through your mind when you saw this news?" You know, to be completely honest with you, I had actually started preparing myself for the possibility that it would happen. I, I the writing was on the wall. Yeah, I mean, it really was. Mm-hmm. The writing was on the wall. Utah was never going to buy him out. So, like, that was never really going to happen. Like, there was some discussion like, oh, maybe he can kind of fill that GPT uh, GP2 role for uh, Golden State, you know, if, if bought out. Like, there were some other conversations. But I was like, dude, come on. That's just more people underrating Pat Bev. They're, the dude's not getting bought out. He can net a return. Um, So, the, the THT and a filler for uh, Pat Bev was like, that That was always going to be a no-brainer. It, it just felt like it was a matter of time. So the, the shock element was not exactly there for me. But I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and say that it didn't suck. Like, of course, it still sucked. That's probably, at least in recent history, the most anti-Lakers Clippers player that we've ever had. I mean, he was telling people, I guess people maybe just weren't paying attention before Kawhi and PG came. The year that LeBron showed up to L.A., Pat Bev was telling people before the season even started, we are the best team in L.A we being the Clippers. And I don't know if you guys remember the hype around that season when LeBron first showed up, Mm -hmm. they were going to pair him with Lonzo and BI and all that. Like there were some expectations that the, uh, excuse me, the Lakers could be one of the better teams in the Western Conference and the Clippers City had just kind of fallen apart. They got all these, you know, putting my fingers in quotes, throw-ins with Lou and Bev and Trez like, they're going to be at the bottom of the conference, right? Bev was saying before the season, no, we are better than the Lakers. And each time the Clippers beat the Lakers that season, he said it again. So yes, seeing him on that side is brutal, man. It is absolutely brutal. I'm not going to lie and say that it's not. But uh, you talk about, you know, not not turning on him and things of that nature. That was kind of your transition. So for me, uh, it's a little bit different for me. But before I get into that, I will say if any Clipper fans, are surprised or caught off guard by anything that Bev has either already said as a member of the Lakers or anything that he is going to say as a member of the Lakers, then you just have not paid close enough attention to this. That's to this dude. That is Pat Bev. And yeah. that's what makes him so great. That's what makes him so great. And that's what makes him such a fan favorite. And that's what makes opposing teams and opposing fan bases hate him so much because he is that guy. So I'm just going to say it right now. You, anybody can approach this however they want to approach it, but I'm not going to take any of that personally. And I also think people need to remember that he wanted to stay with the Clippers, but they they traded him. They didn't want to offer him the contract that he felt he deserved. They ended up having to trade him because of that. So, I mean, if people expect him to now like show up to – You know, Clipper games in in, in a zoo jersey again as a member of the Lakers. Like, come on, guys. Like, it's not going to happen. He's going to take his shots at the Clippers. It's going to happen. So, if anybody's not expecting that, then I don't really know what else to say. But for me personally, I still love Pat Bev. He is still my guy. He's going to remain my guy. Um, I don't know if I've told this story ever on a podcast before. I know I've shared it with some people, but uh, Bev was the first player to ever, like, personally show me love. Uh, in terms of like my, my pursuit of a sports media profession, a lot of people have seen the picture. But when uh, I met him right before the pandemic started, like literally five days later, the world shut down. But the Clippers had an event at uh, the convention center where Bev showed up and he signed autographs and he met fans and everything. And at that time, I had just finished writing a long, deep dive breakdown on the Pat Bev trick y'all comments, ironically enough. Um, they had happened not that long ago. I wrote a full breakdown about why not only is Patrick Beverly not tricking people, but he is a legitimately good, solid basketball player. And I broke down every reason why. And uh, I printed out the cover of that article and I brought it to that event and I had him sign it. And we talked for a little bit um, just about you know some of the hate that he gets from the media and from his peers and you know, I kind of told him that obviously not on the same level, but yeah, I get some slander too on social media. Um, and he was telling me, he's like, listen, man, let that fuel you. Like he literally told me, he's like, let that fuel you. He's like, that's honestly what's gotten me to this point in my career. He's like, you've never seen a hater doing better than you and use that to just continue to elevate your game in whatever you're doing, whatever profession you're doing. That's kind of the gist of what he told me. He's like, just keep elevating yourself to make the haters lives miserable. He said, because when you keep winning, if they want to keep hating it's become more and more difficult for them to do that as you keep winning. So we kind of had that conversation and it meant a lot to me. Um, And I still adhere to that mentality. And he also told me to DM him the article uh, so he could read it. Um, So I did that and, and, you know, he kind of told me how much he appreciated that. So um, I I got, I got a a personal affinity for Pat Bev. Uh, I mean, him being on the Lakers sucks, but uh, if you expect me to turn on him, man, it's not going to happen.
2: Yo, I won't what do you think me. about him saying uh about LeBron and AD being like, oh, they're playing with me. I made the playoffs last year. They didn't make the playoffs. That's the difference. That's him, bro. I
1: love it. I love, I love it. it. God, Bev, if he's on your team, like he's your guy. Like mm-hmm. he's going to be all in for you, all in for your team. Um, And he's like our culture. He's To me, he's the one who changed the culture. Like it's 100%. honestly, it's Lou, him, and Trez. But to me, he's like the heart he of is. that culture change. So I want to know, like, where does he rank? Uh, on your all-time Clippers list, I know Blake. Like, Blake is the one that like put us on yeah. the map, but Bev changed the culture that ultimately got got us Kawhi PG. So where does Pat rank
0: for you? So it's hard for me to put a specific number on it since I think it is pretty fluid. There's so many different ch- changing parts with this discussion, but uh, I point to the locker room game as the game that officially changed the culture for it's the twenty nineteen. Yeah. I think it was the 18-19 season. I think it was technically the end of 2018. Um, Bev didn't even play in that game. He was out for the year. Uh, It was the 17-18 season. It was the 17-18 season because Blake was was still there. there. Um, That is the game I point to as the game that changed the culture because it was kind of like everything coming together at once. You had Chris Paul coming back. You had Chris Paul behaving like Chris Paul. And you had him doing different things on the court that basically – you know he was being the pest that we know he is, um, and you know he was he was John at Blake, he was John at Austin, and then I'm on the bench, um, and then I remember the play when when Blake ripped his tights and he he ripped his tights. He ended up getting ejected because he got into it. I think it was Ariza, and Blake's pumping up the crowd as he's as he's walking out of of, of through the tunnel. He's pumping up the crowd. Clippers ended up hanging on and winning that game. They shouldn't have won that game, but they ended up winning that game. Uh, I remember Blake backed down. He got the and one on Chris. Um, he, he was John with D'Antoni on, on the sideline. He bumped and him you had, too, I think. He did. He <laughs> did. And that's what made D'Antoni freak out. And then Blake went down and got an and one on CP. So after that game, I think people forget. I've retweeted it a couple of times, but Patrick Beverly tweeted, it's a new culture in LA. No more soft shit here. Oh, yeah. And I yeah. think – that, for me at least, is what I felt changed. That's that's what I felt changed the culture. Because you had Chris Paul, who was, in a sense, the face of the Clippers with him and Blake and Lob City and all that. He's gone, and you kind of see that old Lob City kind of like weird front-runner culture now on the other side with Chris Paul. And he's down, but he's now going at Blake and he's going at Bev and he's, you know, John with the refs and the Clippers, what are they doing? Well, they're taking the lead. You know, they're firing up the crowd. They're going right back at you. And you saw that happening in real time, but you saw it happening with a different group of Clippers players that to an extent people had written off. And while Bev wasn't in that game, he sent out that tweet. Um, And and for me, that was the moment that changed it all, which is why obviously I'm a Blake guy. uh, So of course I'm going to say this, but I do think that he played a part in that. Like, I, I think people kind of forget that he was still around for a little bit uh, post Chris Paul. Um, and I think he had he had an impact on that. So um, in terms of where Bev ranks specifically, like for me, he's my second favorite Clippers player of all time. Um, Blake will always be my favorite just because he's the reason why I got into basketball. Um, I don't think I'm really going to uh, put a spot on, on where Bev ranks on like the all time Clippers list. But for me, he's my second all-time favorite Clipper. Easily top five most impactful Clipper of all time because I don't think they have anything that they have right now. If, like, Lou, and even I give Trez credit, showed up and, like, didn't play the way that they play. Like, if they just showed up and just decide we're just going to play out the rest of our contract here, no passion, and then we'll figure out something else later. They embrace the Clippers, man. Like, they embrace the Clippers post-Lob City. That, that That's a taller uh, task than I think a lot of people realize. So, yeah, for that reason, man,
1: that's bluenile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. bluenile.com.
2: Well, on to another former clipper, maybe not as loved, uh, Trez and Doc back together. Trez signs a two-year deal, 5.2 million with the Sixers. They're back. The fa- infamous duo of Trez and Doc. What do you, what do you think about that?
0: You know what's funny, man? I really hoped that by 2022 I wouldn't have to talk about Trez and Doc anymore, but <laughs> it is just the way that things have transpired here we are. Um, I mean, it, I, I feel like it has very little relevance to, um, just what we're trying to do or the, what the Clippers are trying to do as, as a team, obviously with, with them being an Eastern conference, uh, opponent. Um, but the situation itself, I mean, it's obviously ironic. I sent out the tweet right after it happened that I think that this, this definitely creates the blueprint for the first blown three Oh lead in, in history. I think it's going to be a situation where, uh, I mean, because here's the thing, the 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 explanation is there for Doc. Like, if he wants to overuse Trez, the explanation is right there because Embiid, you know, he's got some injury history. He's coming off of a big year, but, I mean, he had some injury trouble. Doc can easily justify crazy Trez minutes as, like, in-game load management for Embiid or something like that. Jesus Christ. Um, who knows if he's going to end up doing that, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if, if Sixers fans start pulling their hair out about midway through the season because – Trez is getting way too much burn. But honestly, like aside from that, you know, I still, and I've talked about it already. I've hit on it, I've hit on it uh, during this pod, but I still have an appreciation for Trez. Like it was weird the whole him going to the Lakers right after the Clippers thing. But honestly, like, well, I was initially annoyed by that. And it, and it it was a really bad look at first because he was like the culprit. Him and Doc, I think every Clippers fan will agree. While Kawhi and PG absolutely had their Awful game seven, like it was Doc and Trez that kind of really imploded the bubble situation. Um, So for him to go and then join the Lakers and then now he's the villain right after that, like it was weird. But now, like as the situation has kind of become more clear, the Clippers didn't want him back. So the Clippers didn't want Trez back. He made the decision that was best for him at the time. So, like, I don't really hold any ill will towards Trez anymore for going to the Lakers. I mean, I don't really feel a type of way about him at all, other than, like, we know his limitations on the court. And it's funny to see him back with a coach that is going to really not mask those at all. So that's pretty much the extent of my thoughts on that.
2: Yeah, I'm, sure. I'm kind of the same way. When he went to the Lakers, I was like, OK, now I'm not going to I'm going to roof against him. They just want the championship. It's the other L.A. team. And he went to the Lakers after that. But then after he left the Lakers, I was like, oh, oh, it's the same old Trez. I'm probably just going to root for him again. Like, he's still fun to watch. Like, he gets yeah. the energy going for the team and everything. So, yeah, it's still cool to root for Trez. But I think Doc may be on the hot seat this year. No.
1: So trez we'll, is we'll a do. genius. He's going to get him a contract. Give him a bag. Yeah, he he, finally. Hey, go go to, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's Chadwick. He's man of the year
2: with Doc. So, yeah. you never know. So then on to another former Clipper, maybe not as. Legendary as Trez and Papev, but I still love him. I met him a few times. He's the nicest guy ever. Great guy. Jerome Robinson signing with the Warriors after being with their G League affiliate and averaging 20 points per game.
0: He might uh, might
2: earn a roster spot at training camp. What do you think of that, Joey? Joey?
0: Well, I think Shamit was supposed to be the next Clay. Uh, Jerome oh, was supposed God. to be like the next Beal, I think. Um, but no, jo- jokes aside, I'm happy for Jerome again. I had the chance to meet him a couple times. Uh, great guy. I actually, uh, when he was playing with Aguacaliente, I-, I got tickets to go watch one of their games because I wanted to see him. Like this was before, you know, he kind of didn't pan out. But at the time, there was some real, you know, potential upside with him. And I think it's still there. Like, if you look at his numbers in the G League, dude, he's been tearing up the G League. He's like a 20-point-per-game guy on pretty good efficiency. Um, so he's been doing a lot down there in the G League. So I'm happy that he's still getting these opportunities. I hope he makes their roster out of camp, man. I think it would be a great opportunity for him. Uh, Golden State, I mean, you kind of saw what they did with GP2 and, and with some other guys that really were kind of on the outside looking in. And then they get an opportunity with a with a team like that, kind of get them in there similar with the Clippers, like get them into that culture, get them around the Hall of Famers and, and the Hall of Fame coach and everything and, and see what they can do. So I'm absolutely rooting for Jerome, man. I think Clipper fans uh understand the situation. is not really like Jerome's fault. It's just yeah. the Clippers picked the wrong guy. Like it just is what it is. You know, it's not really anything that uh, you know, Jerome did against us. He just didn't pan out to be the guy they hoped that he was gonna be.
1: Yeah. Jack, one more thing on Jerome before we move on is that I think we're obviously all rooting for him, but I think this might be the best situation in his career. Just because you go to the Warriors and you have to be like Javale McGee was great for the Warriors. You have to, you have to be like Kelly Oubre not to do well there. Um, but he's gonna he. I feel like he's gonna go to a good system. He's gonna play the right way. He's gonna be surrounded by a team that knows how to play with him. He's gonna have a good coach. I think he's a good coach. Um, and I don't know. Poor man's pool, maybe, <laughs> probably not, but the hope. But I don't know. I have I have faith in him that he could somewhat at least use this season to at least catapult him somewhere else. So that's right. Yeah, I'm
2: staying on the Jerome train. I'm I'm never hopping off the Jerome train. Uh, shout out Yule. He still needs that signed jersey from Jerome. So <laughs> we got you, Yule. <laughs> um, okay. Well, here's something that John and I have been going back and forth on. Reggie or John Wall, starting point guard to start the year. I'm team Reggie because I feel like he's earned that. He's earned that starting spot, especially to start the year. It could change if John Wall starts to play really well off the bench or in practices or whatever. But I feel like to start the year, Reggie has more than earned that. John is on John's side. So where do you stand on that, Joey?
0: So I actually wrote an article about this when the news first came out that they would be battling it out in training camp. And the ultimate takeaway from my article was that the way I view it, it's not going to be a situation where whoever outduels the other in training camp is going to get the spot. I think it's going to be a situation where they gauge how each of these guys fit with with each player, with each group, and then make a decision based upon that. So currently, I side with Jack, but for a different reason. I don't think it's because he's earned it or, or seniority or anything like that. I think it's because as currently constructed his skill set fits better with the starters and John Wall's skill set fits better with the bench. But that also is subject to change because John Wall, as he has continuously said throughout the course of the off season, he is working religiously on his catch and shoot three point shots. So that is a situation where if John Wall now all of a sudden is like, okay, he's actually hitting the catch and shoot three at a little bit better clip than Reggie so far, it would make more sense to have him in that starting group. But when you think about the guys that the Clippers are going to run out there, with the bench, I feel like it would almost be a waste to not have John Wall alongside those guys. You're going to have some iteration of Luke Kennard, Nicholas Batum, Marcus Morris, uh, Robert Covington. Like some of these guys are going to start, but a lot of them are going to be with the bench group. Team man, like a lot of these guys are going to be with the bench. Four shooters, three to four shooters are going to be surrounding that bench unit at all times. So when you put John Wall in the middle of that and allow him to go to work, I think that's really when you're going to start seeing the best version of him come into play because uh, he he's a guy who he gets downhill and he's a guy who can find shooters and the Clippers are going to surround him with a lot of shooting. But again, that is not exclusive to the bench. That is going to be available with the starters as well, um, just to a little bit of a lesser degree. So um, I think if it's a situation where the Clippers are really trying to run through Kawhi and PG, then it makes more sense to have Reggie out there alongside them. But I think you're going to see a lot of both. And and what I ended up saying uh, at the end of that article is that Tyloo has proven both the ability and the willingness to adjust when necessary. So I think if the season starts and he feels as if one of the two guys is better in. In a role that perhaps they didn't start the season in, he will make that adjustment. Maybe not as soon as some fans would hope that he would, but he will eventually make the adjustment. We saw it last year, time and time again. So as currently constructed, I feel as if Reggie's role or excuse me, his skill set fits better in that starting role, as opposed to John Wall, who I believe his skill set complements that bench group a little bit better. But also wouldn't be surprised. This is a, a a point that I mentioned in that article as well. John Wall, I believe, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but if I remember correctly, has started. 602 out of his 613 career games. It's something like that. He has started like 98% of his career games. Whereas Reggie, it's about half and half. Like he's been a starter for a lot of his career, but he's also been a bench player for a lot of his career. So he has way more experience off the bench, whereas John Wall has very little experience off the bench. I don't think that's going to be a situation where Wall is unwilling or incapable to come off the bench, but that could factor into the ultimate decision. So there's a lot to figure out, but I definitely trust Ty Lue to make the right choice. Yeah.
2: That's a good point. Yeah. Of course John Wall had like a bunch of time off from due to injury and the situation with the Rockets. So it it could go either way and he's looking nice in those Rico Hines runs and he's talking his shit. He's looking nice. John, do you still do you still stick with uh John Wall starting? Honestly, th- when you bring up like the fit in the second unit obviously because
1: there's more spacing. Now I'm thinking like should he be a closer? Um does that give him an edge over Reggie as a closer because they like to finish small, so you're going to have Wall at least PG and Kawhi, and then at least one of uh, Roko or Nico or both, and then you'll have Wall and all the shooters, and then they'll probably just help off of him the most. But I truly believe it's going to be a game by game basis on how Ty really feels it's going to happen. And plus the to go back on his shooting, he shoots usually like low to mid thirties from three. Like how often do you see a shooter just like the next season? Just go up to like that thirty-seven percent, thirty. But his
0: catch and shoot—the last time he played was thirty-eight okay. percent. I mean, not not like huge volume, but like mm-hmm. that was one area of his three-point shooting, um, that that was actually pretty strong. Was his catch and shoot game? I, I believe it was thirty-eight uh, point something percent with, with his stint in Houston. So I trust when he says he's working on it. I do agree with what you're saying that it's not a, a situation where a guy at his stage in his career is all all of a sudden become a forty percenter. If it's gonna happen, it's with the Clippers. I will I'll say that they have true. they have some they have some magic, man. Um, but to your point, John, about the the closing group, it is gonna change nightly, and yeah. that's something we're gonna. I know we're gonna get into that uh, throughout the course of this pod when we talk about like who's the odd man out. It, when you talk about the closing lineup. It is going to change nightly. And that is what is so great about Ty Lue. And I think what's so great about this Clippers group is because they have a veteran group of guys who are at the point of their careers, and John Wall has spoken on this extensively, that they just want to win. No egos, no issues with any any pride issues or anything like that where guys have to get theirs. They have a bunch of guys who want to win. So if Ty Lu says, hey, you got to take a seat in this fourth quarter tonight because we're going to go with this guy, like there's not going to be any problems with that. Or at least from what it seems, that's not going to be the case. So um it is going to change nightly. And I do think there's going to be nights where whether it's because he has it going or because you know just the fit plays out that way, where John Wall's absolutely going to be a guy that's that's closing games for the Clippers at times.
1: Yeah. I think also for him that if he if he is, like how he's how he's speaking, that he is going to take this sacrifice it will say a lot about what he does because think about his bio was what like 40 million out of 47 and he just got it back he's getting paid max uh max money this year he's like you said six hundred three out of six twelve. um he's been a star his whole life all nba
2: all-star all defense dude he's been the best player everywhere he's been
0: since high school dude
2: exactly and kind of getting swayed right now i'm not gonna lie i I might i might No, I'm staying Reggie, but I'm getting, I'm getting (laughs) a little sway. But what I'm
1: saying is, like, that would tell me so much about like how bought in he is, and how this culture was created. That he has all that, that all that he lived through, all that he's gone through. He's still willing to say, I don't care if I'm not starting. It says a lot, especially like recently the the mental health stuff that he's so Mm. vulnerable how that stuff changes him. I honestly I believe him that he would not care if he didn't start
0: too. So I, I do as well. I, I really do. And and even if it's not a situation where like he's off the bench. Like maybe if he's just in the starting lineup, but he's not getting shots or he's not getting touches. Like he's the guy who is setting everybody else up. Like he really does seem bought into that. I mean I've been so excited every single time that dude has spoken this summer. I mean he is he has really been a joy to listen to whether he's been talking candidly about uh, his own personal life or talking about his excitement to join this group. Uh, One of the things that I said, it was crazy when I dropped the YouTube video about the possibility of John Wall joining the Clippers. I literally uploaded it and then like the news dropped that he did join the Clippers about an hour later. So one of the topics that I addressed in that video, I guess some fans had 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 brought Uh, some concerns up about maybe the possibility of him not being entirely bought in like, Oh, this is John wall, like five-time all-star. He's going to come in and want the ball or want shots or whatever. I addressed that. And I said, man, like maybe, but at this point in his career, this was before I'd heard him say anything. I said at this point in his career, all he hasn't done is, is win at the highest level. Like dude, dude has been an all-star. He has been the best player on his team. He has made big shots in big playoff games. Like he has done it all except win a championship. And that's at, for a guy at this stage in his career. Like you said, he's still getting his max money because he, he, he kind of patched that together with the Clippers contract and the buyout and, and, and what he gave back to Houston. He wants to win. And, and to your point, John, I absolutely believe that he is a hundred percent bought in. So it's not a concern of mine at all. I think so too. That that's why I'm
1: not worried about who closed. I, I wouldn't care if Reggie and Norm close over him. If, if that's what needs to happen um, in a certain game, Um, but yeah, I I have faith in him that what he's going to do, I personally think he is going to start the season. Like, I, I don't know why my gut feeling tells me he's going to start. I don't know. My gut feeling
0: does too. Yeah, it does. Yeah. My gut feeling says that he is, I just think as currently constructed, I think Mm -hmm. Reggie's a slightly better fit, but I I, I agree with that. Yeah.
1: Reggie's the better catch and shoot fit around that roster and that, that roster is loaded. So it's like, like, let's just say hypothetically, you got. Uh, jaw wall at your one, PG at the two, Kawhi at the three. <clears throat> uh, let's just throw in Nico there at the four just because, um, you started there before, and then zoo at the five, obviously. Then back up, obviously, your one's Reggie, and then obviously, uh, Roco, the backup, uh, 4 we'll put him right
0: there. It's probably uh, more, like back, he, he might even be the backup center at this exactly. point <laughs> and, it's,
1: and it's like i don't know if they want to run him out like that because they don't yeah, want to know it'll be out interesting
0: how they how they how they uh, approach that we'll see how that yeah works, so.
1: and then like marcus morris too we don't know what's going to happen with yeah. that he hasn't been any social media Some, well he has been <laughs> lately
0: a little bit a little bit you know it's funny they him. posted they posted marcus morris and then the you know the whole clippers twerp yeah we don't need to get so into that, that. <laughs> <laughs> no
1: but i'm saying he's not in any of these like videos or like pictures working out with like the rest of the team like and yeah that's the, i was like i was like i think the writing is on the wall man but i don't know just let's just hypothetically say he's still there he's on like, the team yeah we'll say he's on the yeah. Team. yeah who who's not playing
0: do you think so i've talked about this so many times, uh, whether it be on podcast episodes, just amongst other fans and articles, things of that nature, there isn't one answer. And I think fans get so focused on trying to figure out who the odd man out of the rotation is going to be, as if we haven't watched Ty Lu do his thing the last couple of seasons. So you think about teams, I always bring this up. You think about teams like Toronto or teams like Miami, where you play those teams how do they defend the Clippers? They throw the house at Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. They made Landry Shamit look like a, a freaking all-star, man, when we played Miami. You remember some of the games that he had against Miami? Yeah, just like Open three after open three after open three after open three. So if you're telling me that Luke Kennard doesn't have a place in the Clippers rotation against a team like that or against any of the teams, San Antonio's another one, where they throw everybody at Kawhi, you have to have that spacing out there. So is there a place for Luke Kennard on the team? Absolutely. So if you think, well, then does that leave Terrence Mann out? Maybe for a game, but absolutely not out of the rotation for the season. There is certainly a place for Terrence Mann. It might be as the backup point guard one night. It might be as a forward another night. It might be, you know, standing out on the wing, making catch and shoot uh, three-point attempts from the corner, which we've seen him do several times. i also talk about this. Look at what Golden State just did in their run to the NBA finals and and winning their four championship in the last eight seasons, they switched up their starting lineup from series to series. You had Jordan Poole starting in the, in the opening series against uh, Denver because Steph was a little banged up, but they actually stuck with that. Once Steph came back, they liked that group with the three guards together. Then you had Gary Payton before he got injured. He was starting. Against Memphis. And then they uh got Otto Porter Jr. in and out of the starting lineup. I believe Looney even was in and out of the starting lineup a little bit. They ended up going small one of those games. They did that all the way to an NBA championship. If you're telling me that Ty Lu would not be one willing and two capable to do something similar with the amount of depth that is on this Clippers roster, again, you just haven't been watching this team. Every single player on this Clippers roster right now will have a role next year. And if people don't see that, I'm not really sure which team they've been watching and which coach they've been watching the last couple of seasons because you have seen that time and time again. Different opponents require different matchups and the Clippers have weapons. That's what's so amazing about this team. You look at a guy like Luke Kennard and Terrence Mann, sometimes people kind of, you know, pit them against each other. Like, oh, one of them has to be the odd man out, right? Not necessarily, man. They bring different things. There's going to be games where you need Luke Kennard's spacing. And, you know, sometimes people say, well, oh, you know, Terrence, man, you know, he shoots 38%. You know, is that really that far off from Luke's percentage? That's not how it works. Like, it's the defensive attention that Luke Kennard generates that makes him such a weapon. Obviously, he led the league in three-point shooting for a reason. So teams are going to want to stay glued to him. And that really creates a defensive nightmare because if you're trying to stay glued to Luke Kennard, that means somebody's going to be single covered between Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. You can't really sag off of anybody out there when you have as much shooting as the Clippers have. So there's absolutely a place for Luke Kennard. But like I said, Terrence, man, what does he do that Luke doesn't do? He pushes the pace. He defends a little better. Although Luke is a better defender than a lot of people give him credit for, I will say that he, he defends better than Luke. He gets downhill better than Luke. He's a better athlete. Um, he, he probably passes a little bit better. Like there's different things that, you know, a guy like Amir or a guy like Terrence do better than Luke that you're going to need some nights in some matchups. Whereas Luke Kennard's shooting his spacing, I think he actually has a lot better off the dribble game than people realize. I mean, I've seen him do some crazy things out there, man. Where like, they're running a guy at him and he lets one fly by and he, you know, puts it on the ground, steps back. Like he's, he's hit some crazy shots. So there's things that he can do that those guys can't do. And if you're telling me that Ty Lu can't find a way to utilize that, then like I said, man, I don't know which team you've been watching. So there is not an odd man out in my eyes. I think there's a place for everybody on this team. And it goes back to what I said earlier. There's no egos. Look at, look at this roster, man. Everybody's gotten paid. Everybody's gotten paid. I, if I'm not mistaken, I think Reggie, and then I guess, no, not even Wall, because he's got that extra year on his deal. I think Reggie's the only guy who's coming off the books next year. Like every other player on this team, has gotten paid they've gotten their deal they're most of them are veterans at this point like it's not a matter where if you sit nicholas batum down for a game or for a quarter or something like that he's gonna get upset because like hey i'm playing for my life right now like no we know what you bring same with luke same with terrence same with all of these guys these guys have proven themselves in the nba they've proven themselves to the clippers by all accounts they're bought in so if that means that one guy is out of the rotation on one night but in the rotation on another I don't anticipate having that, you know, attitude issue or somebody, you know, gets upset over that. So that's my answer. And and I really wish more people kind of saw it that way because I hate seeing people think that, oh, you know, Luke's expendable or this guy's expendable. Like, that's not the case, man. It is absolutely not the case. Depth is going to be a weapon for this Clippers team. Like, you know, we hear all the talk about health and all that, and it is a little bit overblown, but like this Clippers roster does not have a very good history with health. And if you can mitigate some of that, by letting guys, you know, have some extended rest or some additional days off and utilize your depth, why would you not do that? Like, I don't think there's a trade out there right now that makes the Clippers so significantly better where they have to depart with some of their depth in order to bring this guy in. Like, just go to war with the guys you have. So many people agree that the Clippers have what it takes and and let Ty Lue cook. And I think that that's something that they're going to do. And I think that's the right way to approach it.
1: Jack, your thoughts on the rotation?
2: Yeah, I mean, like you said, we know Tyloo. We know it's, it could change, and we also know the Clippers with the injuries that happen. So the depth is going to be really key. I feel like you know there's going to be moments. I'm not sure starting off how many minutes like guys like Amir coffee or Brandon Boston or those kind of guys could get. But there's there's going to be injuries. Something's going to happen and they're going to have to get more more minutes in certain games so it's good to just have that depth and be prepared and then if the playoffs come and an injury happens you know it's it's always good to just have that depth and be prepared for anything and yeah like you said Ty Luka change it up based on the game based on the matchups based on anything that can happen so i like what you were saying about that and then to close it out Joey what else can we expect in the in the world for you man coming up in the future what what can we look for
0: Well, I talked about it a little bit at the beginning, pretty much everything that I'm doing right now, I'm going to keep doing, uh, I'm sticking with SI, uh, and I are just going to continue to plug away and just continue to grind over there. And, um, that we're super excited with what we got going over there. Uh, but for the people who have, have been around for a while and have followed me, I've already talked about it extensively on the pod. You know, I got a passion for, for deep dives and for breakdowns and things of that nature. Uh, I am in, in some advanced discussions with, with an outlet that's pursuing my uh, my my deep deep dive analysis. So um, it's it's a smaller kind of startup page that that is really you know excited about me. What I can what can I what I can help them do as kind of like their lead NBA uh, analyst. That's not going to take me away from anything that I'm doing already, but that is probably where a lot of my like deep dives would move to. So keep an eye out for that. I think that's going to be something that's coming down the wire that I'm excited about. Um, something that I've been, you know, kind of having my eye on for a while is, is, is an outlet that would, would kind of just let me do that. Like I, I have my quick hitters and things and, you know, that I do with other sites, but I, I still do have a passion for like diving into the numbers and, you know, <laughs> I'm not a full a full blown stats nerd, but I, I do kind of, you know, get excited about some of the advanced analytics at times. I think there's an appropriate place for them. Uh, people go overboard, but I do think there's an appropriate place uh when properly contextualized. So I'm excited for some of that. I also uh may actually I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep that one under wraps. I, I may I may have a, one more exciting announcement coming Ooh, in, in the next uh, week or so. Just it's just gonna be expanding my coverage a little bit more. But like I said, I've been blessed with an opportunity uh this year, really for the first time in my life to kind of step away uh for some of the other things that I do outside of sports and, and really kind of start pursuing this full time. So um you know now that i'm graduated uh i have that additional time like we all know that the school grind is is for real so um now that i'm done with school and you know kind of getting some additional opportunities i'm really excited to start pursuing it full-time and if you feel like man where have you been on on instagram this year or this summer uh youtube this summer like i promise i got stuff you know coming down the wire uh, on those uh uh, real soon but like i said i've just been kind of you know sorting out some of these these final uh final pursuits that are that are really starting to to present themselves for for this upcoming season so super excited about that but again none of the stuff that i'm currently doing is changing you still find me on twitter still still find me on si and all that so yeah man it's gonna be a big year and i'm super stoked to be a part of it appreciate you guys for having me on and let me let me do this Oh, well, thanks, thanks for coming though.
2: on we appreciate
0: you thank you for coming on we'll see you at games definitely hopefully I can still get credentials <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I gotta see lo- what I can I'll see what I can do for you man I'll, I'm literally just gonna
1: say I just have Joey I have Brian I man you gotta let me still come <laughs> so I'm gonna push that as much as I can
0: so no nah, for people who don't know what he's talking about we were joking about it the other day now with the Clippers uh, with Kawhi coming back and with PG you know all of them getting healthy they got so much attention like the Woj's of the world they're gonna want to be at their games like God. so this it's limited seats on media row my man but they, I, they they should let you back no i'm gonna i'm gonna make fake
1: credentials no i'm just kidding i gotta cut that um <laughs> but, and then just go but no i'll see you there i i swear i've opening night we'll see each other i'm
2: sure jackie may still be at school actually but i'll try to mean? be the portland correspondent i'll be at the blazers clippers games in yes, portland
0: exactly but jack might be on a 10 day by then
2: <laughs> we're I lucky should.
1: He's gonna be on a full college student athlete grind. So no
2: ten day. I want the max. Or I'm not playing. All right, you'll be in China. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway,
1: Joey, before we go, where can these people find you in the socials?
0: Yeah. So, uh, Joey Lynn underscore is, uh, my, my Twitter of course, and my personal Instagram that I don't really post a whole lot on, although I did just post Wayne on there. So go check, go check that out. Awesome. Um, and obviously clips.combos on the Instagram. Haven't been on there a whole lot this summer. Cause like I said, I've just been, I've been trying to sort out everything else where I can you know, kind of bring it together for a proper announcement. Um, but I'll be back on there running it up during the season regularly. Um, and yeah, that's, that's where I'm going to, where I'm going to be and then anything else that kind of comes down the wire where I'm, I'm doing different things. I'll definitely make sure to announce that, but uh, yeah, that's where I'm at right now. And that's where I'll be for the uh, foreseeable future. So I appreciate that. Well, thank you again for joining us, Jack.
1: I've already heard you say it plenty of times. You're from, you're at Jack Clippers on Twitter. I'm not going to give your Instagram. Um, I'm at courtside underscore clips. Thank you guys again for listening. Give us a rate. Subscribe. Do I'll give way. the Instagram? I say my last name, no.
2: Jack.cogman. For any people wondering, Jack.cogman on Instagram. <laughs> we'll we'll, we'll
1: edit. We'll me. edit that yeah. out. Ah! Anyway. Anyway, thank you guys for listening. As always, go clips.